<laughs> well, good morning, church. I hope this morning that you came in filled with joy. And if you did not come in this morning filled with an understanding or the fullness of joy that God has provided for us, I pray that at least you will leave with that in your heart. That's, that's our goal here this morning. We keep talking about this idea that it's not just information, but it's information that leads to transformation, and so we need to apply it, right? So we're, of course, in the third week of Advent. During each Sunday of Advent season, we've been focusing on the, on the virtues that Jesus brings us, on hope and on peace and on joy and on love. It's a time where we celebrate Christ, his arrival on earth, with his birth in Bethlehem. We understand that well, and we anticipate his coming again. And I think we understand that well. It's a time of expectation. But there's another perspective, a third reflection of, of Christ that I think too often most people, even committed Christians, seem to neglect. You see, we celebrate the birth of Christ and we look forward to heaven, but often we miss the very presence of Christ here with us now in our hearts. Paul, in his letter to the Galatians, he asked this question to them. It's the question that I'm going to pose to each one of us this morning, who have allowed our circumstance or our situation, who've allowed the world around us to rob us of something that Jesus promised us. And the question is this. Galatians 4.15, where is the joy or where is the sense of, of blessedness, the awareness of God that you once had? Where is the joy that you once had? I've titled this message, Surprised by Joy. It's from the name of a book written by C.S. Lewis. It's not just any book. I think I, everything I've ever read by C.S. Lewis has been good. But this was his autobiography. And in it, he speaks about what moved him from atheism to Christianity. And in that book, he says this about joy. For in a sense, the central story of my life is about nothing else. It is that unsatisfied desire, which is itself more desirable than any satisfaction. I call it joy, which is a technical term and must be sharply distinguished both from happiness and pleasure. Joy, in my sense, has indeed one characteristic and one only in common with them. The fact that anyone who's experienced it will want it again. But then it is a kind we want. And then he says this. He says, I doubt whether anyone who has tasted it would ever, if both were in his power, exchange it for all the pleasure in the world. But then joy is never in our power and pleasure often is. You see, Lewis understood profoundly the deep longing each of us feel. It's inescapable, and it's also intentional. We have a God-shaped hole in the core of our very being that only he can fill. And when he does, and not until then, you will be filled with great joy. And so this morning, we're going to explore this together. You know, it's easy to forget the reason we celebrate the season not only around the busyness of this season in particular, but the busyness of life. And the antidote, the secret to joyful living, is to learn to praise and worship the Lord at all times. And so now we'll see a drama, The Christmas Secret. Now, how often do we pause? How often do we reflect and are reminded of his great love for us shown supremely on the cross? You see, the reason we lack joy is because we've neglected our relationship with the source of it. 
And so the invitation to follow Jesus, it's less a matter of informing our intellect as it is reorienting our hearts. D.L. Moody said, the scriptures were not given to increase our knowledge, but to change our lives. And so Jesus invites us not just to think differently. That's part of it. But Jesus invites us into a deeper intimacy with him. Emmanuel, God with us. There's a quote, and it's, it's uh, I think, from the book that I've been reading. There's a few of them, but um, the um, You Are What You Love. To be human is to love. And it is what we love that defines who we are. Our ultimate love is what we worship. We've been on that theme for a while. Everybody worships. The only choice you get is what to worship. When people look at you, if you were to ask them the question, by looking at my life, what do I worship? What would the answer be? If people looked at you, what would they see as the object of your ultimate affection? You see, this is why Jesus tells us to love God above all. Because if we do not, then we cannot know joy. Because our priorities are not in order and we're worshiping something else. And so Jesus' invitations will lead us to find hope and joy and peace in him. And so the first invitation is my favorite. The leadership team used to make fun of me. They say, you know, you're always talking about rest. Darren said, I'm like, a, we were uh, at the Washington Zoo. And he's like, hey, look, it's Doobie. They were baby pandas. And you sit there, and you can eight hours, and they dad move. They just lay in there. I'm like, this is the most boring exhibit. It's like, Darren said, so that's you. You know, he's resting. <laughs> well, this is my favorite invitation, right? But listen to this in all seriousness. Because if you're here visiting, maybe you're wondering what this is all about. Jesus is speaking to you, to your spirit deeply. Matthew eleven twenty eight, One of my favorite, favorite scriptures. Jesus says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Rest for your souls. Anybody just feel so tired, so exhausted? It's like beyond the physical exhaustion, right? You get that, that spiritual exhaustion, that emptiness. Jesus is speaking to you. You can try a million other things, and I'm the research monkey for trying a million other things, and they will never fulfill you, and you'll be further and further away and more and more lost and lonely until you accept Jesus' invitation, and then you will know joy like you can't imagine, joy like Paul talked about, joy to be able to rejoice in the midst of great trials. In your life. It doesn't mean everything's great. It doesn't mean, you know, Jesus wept, right? We've said that. It doesn't mean that, you don't, that you're not human. But it means that there's something inside you. There's something that's, that it can't be quenched. There's something that just comes up no matter what. Because you, we're created to praise God. We're created to praise him always. Since sin entered the picture... Throughout mankind's history, we have been creatures of restlessness. I like it. It says in Isaiah 57, 20, In the morning you shall say, Oh, that it were evening. And at evening you shall say, Oh, that it were morning. Deuteronomy 28, 67. In other words, no matter where you are, you want to be somewhere else. No matter what time it is, you're waiting for it to be another time. 
And you live your whole life looking to the next thing, to the next thing, to the next thing. And all of a sudden you wake up and one day most of your life is behind you. And you say, where did it go? Because you were waiting. Well, you know, it's, you know, it's got to be this, got to be that. When I do this, when I get that, when I have this, when I'm, when I'm there, when I finish this. Instead of learning to praise him in this moment, in this day. Tomorrow's not promised. We talked last week, Jesus has a whole thing about worrying. Not only does it not add value to his life, which I like that because it's real, it's real practical advice. Jesus is saying, it's not going to do anything. You're not going to get more time. So why worry? In other words, you're never going to be content. Looking for the next best thing will never fulfill you. I, uh, I'm not a, a sports guy. I know it's hard to tell by looking at me, but I'm, I'm not big into sports. In fact, I was uh, invited, my mother at one point, she says to me, hey, you know, your cousin, I have a cousin that was in one of the Super Bowls, she said, I have good, good news. She says, your cousin, you know, isn't going to be in the Super Bowl. There's a chance we might be able to get tickets. And I said, what makes you think I want to go to a football game? You've been my mother for how long? She said, I think it's kind of a big deal. And I'm like, I don't, I don't, it's not a big deal to me. What am I going to read a book? And my friend's like, every time I hear that story, I still want to beat you up all these years later. I guess the Super Bowl is a big deal. I don't know, whatever. But Deion Sanders, after he won the Super Bowl, I know it's going back a little bit, he was waiting for the delivery of a brand new Lamborghini. Rich, famous, at the top of his game, sure every goal he ever had had been, you know, fulfilled, coming off the big win, about to buy a car worth more than some houses. And he looked at his friend and he said, is this it? Has my entire life just come to this being all that it's about. Now look, pleasure's not bad. Happiness isn't bad. Those are blessings from God. The feelings and emotions that he gave us, that's part of the blessing of being human. Stuff isn't inherently bad. But when we substitute those things for the joy of the Lord, when we put those things or those relationships or those accomplishments above knowing Jesus, we will always find ourselves restless and hopeless and joyless. Billy Graham once said this, Every day I come into contact with mixed up paradoxical men and women. Rich people who are held in the grip of insecurity. Intellectual people who have lost their way. Strong people who live in fear of weakness and defeat. I long to take every one of them by the hand and lead them into the presence of the Savior who said, Come on to me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Why are you dying of thirst when you are on the brink of a lake? Why are you starving to death within arm's length? Of the living bread. Will you accept Jesus' invitation as a pathway to everlasting joy? The second is an invitation into deeper discipleship. Jesus said to the, this in, in, in Mark 1:17: follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. I read somewhere that we're saved to serve, we're redeemed to reproduce, and we're fished out of the miry clay so that in turn we can become fishers of men. Saved to serve, redeemed to reproduce, and fished out to become fishers. Do we live that way with that awareness? 
Jesus didn't say, repeat everything I say to a whole bunch of people. I mean, you know, we know preach the gospel and with word and deed, we understand what to proclaim. But Jesus said, follow me. Walk in my ways. I love when Francis Chan says, we got to stop having people invite Jesus into their lives. He said, our lives are a mess. Jesus doesn't want to be in your mess. What Jesus is doing is inviting you into his life, into his ways, into his rhythms. Now, we understand that he enters into the mess of, of, our, of our humanity. We understand that. He pulls us out. But he doesn't fall. He doesn't, God can keep following us back in that. He's calling us to a different way of living. He's not saying, hey, I'm Jesus and I'm going to follow you around. He's saying, I'm Jesus, follow me. And when people had issues in the Bible with stuff he said, he didn't rephrase it. He didn't make it, well, you know, I didn't really mean it like that. He didn't try to make it more appealing. He said it, he, he made it stricter and more stringent and more offensive. And people walked away. Why? Why would he do that? Because he was looking for commitment. He was looking for followers. Not just people who can memorize what he said and who could look at other people and judge them according to these standards and all the while neglect the log in their own in their own life, in their own eye. You see, the third invitation is to live with an awareness of the presence of Christ. To realize that you are living as a believer in the realm of God. Jesus said in John 15, 4, abide in me and I in you. That word is, is dynamic. It's not one time. It's not static. It means to remain. It means that whenever I'm doing Whenever, wherever I am, whatever, to have an awareness of God, to abide in him, to remain in him. Am I in Christ? Am I honoring him with my life? My father, well before he became a believer, gave me this advice. He said, figure out what you want out of life. What are your goals? What's the end game? And every decision you make, every step you take, are you moving closer or further away from that goal? Now, as a Christian, that's, that even has much deeper, more profound meaning. Because everything you do, every step you take, every decision you make, are you moving closer into an awareness of the presence of Christ in your life or further away? Because I can promise you, as sure as I'm standing here, and I wish, the, you know, and I know it's you know, God's power and his spirit is going to seal this in your heart, but I wish my words could convey how much I promise you, you will never, ever find joy apart from Christ. You will never. No matter what you do, no matter what you have, no matter who you're married to, no matter how much money, no matter what you take, no matter what you read, you will never have joy apart from the source of joy in our Savior. You see, those who abide in him are the objects of God's affection and love. The Bible says this, because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. Psalm 91:14 No greater demonstration of love has ever been witnessed by the world than God's love manifested in his son Jesus Christ. The very center of the whole gospel is summed up in these words, but God demonstrated his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 5:8 these three invitations are not mine. They're given by Jesus himself. 
God not only wants to restore our lost joy, he wants us to cultivate things in our life that will build lasting joy. I love this scripture. Zephaniah 3.17, the Lord your God is with you. The Lord your God is with you. Do you know that? Does that comfort you? Does that bring you joy to know that right now, wherever you are, whatever you're going through, whatever difficulty, that the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. As hard as it is to believe, God delights in us. Isaiah 65, 18 and 19. But be glad and rejoice forever in what I will create. For I will create Jerusalem to be a delight and its people a joy. I will rejoice over Jerusalem and take delight in my people. You see, if we have little or no joy in our lives and the worship team can come up, it could very well be because we don't know God well enough. Because joy is one of his character qualities. We need to learn to celebrate God in worship. The Westminster Confession states it well. Our chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. That's the the purpose of our being is to worship God, to glorify God with our lives and to enjoy him forever. Matthew Henry, and I'll, I'll close with this. He's a Bible scholar. We know Matthew Henry's commentary. He's famous from the 1700s. He wrote this in his diary after some thieves robbed him and took his wallet. Now, this is the kind of perspective. This is the kind of understanding. This is the kind of, the, the kind of joyful living. Somebody, thieves robbed him. They took his wallet, and this is what he wrote. Let me be thankful. First, because I was never robbed before. Second, because although they took my wallet, they did not take my life. And third, because although they took my all, it was not much. And fourth, because it was I who was robbed and not I who robbed. Paul put it this way in 2 Corinthians 7.4. In all my troubles, my joy knows no bounds. The only way to experience the fruit of the Spirit is to be obedient to Christ and to submit to his spirit on a daily basis. To discover true joy, we must abandon our current search for it and go looking instead for the one who is himself joy. Jesus put it this way in John 15, verses 10 and 11. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love, And then he said this, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Mm -hmm. Do we believe that promise of Jesus this morning? Please stand as we worship him. Father, we thank you for this word this morning. We thank you for the challenge of it, for the conviction of it for the discomfort it causes but help it to reorient our lives to reorient our focus to take a look at what it is we're worshiping 
to take a look at when people look at our lives, do they see joyful Christians or miserable Christians? There's no such thing as a miserable Christian. Father, help us to submit and to surrender to your spirit that your joy may fill us and overflow. In Jesus' name we pray. Unexpected, would you believe? After all, we've projected child in a manger. Slowly and small, weakest of all, unlikeliest hero wrapped in his mother's shawl. Just a child, is this who we've waited for? Stepped down from their thrones How many lords have abandoned their homes How many greats have become the least for me Praise you, God How many gods have poured out their hearts To romance a world that has torn all apart how many fathers gave up their sons for me? Bringing our gifts for the newborn Savior, all that we have, whether costly or meek, because we believe. Gold for his honor and frankincense For his pleasure and mirth For the cross he'll suffer Do you believe? Is this who we've waited for? How many kings stepped down from their thrones? How many lords have abandoned their homes? How many greats have become the least for me? Praise you, God. How many gods have poured out their heart to romance a world that has torn all apart? How many fathers gave up their sons for me? Only one did that for me. All for me. Give him thanks, church. All for you.
God, we lift you up. God, the impossibility that someone could love us the way you do. God, that you did all these things for us, God. That you made a way where there was no way. That you won where the enemy thought that you were defeated, God. That you made us victorious and righteous because of your birth and your blood, God. We praise you this morning. God, we ask that as we go along our lives and the busyness of this time of year, God, that you... Keep reminding us, keep instilling us, help us to focus on you, on what you've done, and how this is all about you, Jesus. And let us remember to put ourselves way at the bottom of that list, God, not even second, and keep you high, high, high above everything else. We praise you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.